Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Hello, Matthias, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. Hello, Joanne. How are you doing today? And uh, thank you for inviting me. I am very well, thank you. And thank you for accepting my invitation. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Lovely, lovely. So, Matthias, before we jump into the conversation, can you please tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, your home country, and... A little bit sort of starting from the beginning up until maybe like your teenage years. What was life like for you? Okay, perfect. So, yeah, uh, you know, my name is Matthias Abraham Abdisa and uh, I'm originally from Ethiopia. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised there and lived there until I was, you know, close to 22. Uh, mm -hmm. So to start with like, you know, my teenage years, uh, um, I... I, you know, I kind of like, uh, you know, grew up in a, uh, you know, lower middle class family where uh, I, I, you know, was trying to be like more of like, you know, an entrepreneur trying to understand, you know, how life works. So I think the best way to start would be, you know, once I moved to college, I, I, uh, I was in some rural part of, you know, Ethiopia where, you know, I was studying computer science. Uh, but uh, what I did was when I was coming back to my hometown and when I was visiting, like, you know, my hometown, Addis Ababa, I was taking some products from the rural area uh, and, you know, tried to sell it in Addis, which was like probably could sell it like for double the price. So that, I think I would say like that was where my entrepreneurship, you know, uh, started. Uh, uh, so when I was studying computer science there, I kind of like, you know, didn't like the structure because uh, I was trying to get like, you know, hands of hands on development, but, you know, it was really tough, uh, you know, for us to do it there. So I moved to Addis and joined this computer science school called Hill Co College. So I would say like, you know, it's one of the best, uh, you know, computer science college uh, in, in, uh, in Ethiopia. So I studied computer science there and I was able to build, you know, like really like, you know, softwares, uh, like good softwares at that time, uh, especially, you know, point of sales softwares with one of my friends. And uh, when I was in a senior school, uh, when I was like, you know, a senior student in Hilco, uh, uh, we try to, uh, you know, sell it to restaurants. We try to sell our point of sale system to restaurants. We had like, you know, one small success, but unfortunately, 
there was a uh, quite a few other applications like ours and the government came up with uh kind of a deposit where you need to put like one million ethiopian burr <laughs> to sell uh, that kind of software because some you know software companies were were you know making some mistakes in taxes like how they calculate taxes so the government didn't like that anyhow we don't have the money and uh we like kind of decided you know not to pursue it at the moment because it was very expensive for us so at that point i applied for a scholarship here in the us and i was able to you know come here before i turned 22 and uh, yeah i did my masters in computer science here in iowa uh, at maharashi university uh, where i was able to get like you know hands-on experience like more like you know uh like enterprise, how to build like you know enterprise softwares. So I, uh, I, I, I did my masters by 2014, and uh, I was able to work for uh, a couple of companies, uh, financial institutions, education, and real estate companies. But in the meantime, every time you know I'm working, I, I just don't feel comfortable just doing nine to five. So I was trying to do um, some other like side you know hustles. So I uh, started a software as a service company uh, before I graduated uh, here in Iowa. And then uh, I, I, I was able to do it with one of my friends. We tried to create a mobile application where you can find happy hours in Washington, D.C. area. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of ran out of money in like six to nine months. So it was uh, it, it was not successful. But however, like I learned a lot about like, you know, how to build, uh, you know, a team, how to, uh, you know, create a software uh, and also like, you know, how to do sales. Um, so after that, I, you know, moved to California. And while I was working for a real estate company, I also started another hustle where I was selling, uh, you know, products online. Uh, Amazon used to be like really hot at that point, so it was a very like e-commerce business. So I started basically with like you know zero dollar, where I was able to do drop shipping, where I used to sell products from Walmart to Amazon, from eBay to Amazon. You know, we just uh, just to make like you know a little bit extra money. So that also taught me something like, hey, like you know, uh, people you know can uh, make an income without. Uh, uh, without having like you know any money so uh that, that was something you know i learned um that one was i could say like had a very like you know good success where you know i was able to pay off you know a lot of my loans you know credit cards you know car loans student loans so so many things so i, I kind of felt like you know uh, it was a very good uh, uh entrepreneurial career i continued but unfortunately i lost interest in it at some point because i was basically selling products and i wasn't adding any value so uh so i kind of stopped that back in mid 2017 ish um actually before i uh, i start that uh, in entrepreneurial career I was also able to, you know, do something similar in the e-commerce space where I was manufacturing my own product from China and sell it here on Walmart, Jet.com, Amazon. Uh, that had also like, you know, mild success. Uh, but anyhow, once I learned about crypto in late 2016, I fully uh, moved to, you know, uh, the space. So even if I don't have like, you know, full-time job since that time, like I would say like, you know, 2017, mid 2017 until now, I was always like learning, uh, you know, by my own, uh, you know, doing some side projects, you know, from time to time. And um, yeah, and that led me to about like, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, <laughs> understanding the cryptocurrency space. 
and uh, finally I landed in stablecoin, uh, which we will talk about later. Uh, so right now I work part time for a stablecoin currency company called Reserve, where we are focusing on emerging markets and high inflation markets. So uh, like Venezuela, Argentina, Turkey, and my my job is to do the business development for uh, the African side of uh, you know things. So yeah, that's that's where I am now. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, so, a lot okay, of things. You, okay. No, but that, that's great, though. That's amazing. That's, that's what I like. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like people. I like, I like the portfolio. I like the multi-potential that does one thing, gets bored, does something else. I like that. So you moved to the U.S. when you were 22. So you were an adult when you moved to America. Yeah, I think I was 21 and then I, I became 22 probably like mid the way here. So yeah, I would say close to mm. 20. <laughs> I thought it was interesting when you were saying you you were trying you would you you and your friends were trying to develop something back home. Yeah, so it was a point of sale system where let's say if you have a restaurant instead of uh, you know doing uh, the receipt by hand or paper we were automating that part. Uh, actually, there were some other softwares out there, but they were not like very user friendly and it was very hard for other people to use it. So our plan was, okay, let's do something similar, but in a better way. Uh, mm. And I also give like a very good credit to my co-founder. He, he was also like, you know, very, uh, he put like, you know, a lot of work in it. So, yeah. How do, how difficult is it to develop a business back in, back home in Ethiopia startup? I know you're really involved with the startup scene there. Yeah, I think so. The 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 thing is, uh, from what I have seen so far, like in Ethiopia, a lot of uh, um, a lot of businesses focus on something that is like tangible in a sense. You know, software is something like you can't touch it, like you can't feel it, right? So back in mm -hmm. the days, people didn't they, they don't give a good value for anything that's related to the software. So one example I could give you is I had a friend of mine where he built like networking for a lot of uh, you know buildings. So when mm -hmm. they open, let's say, you know, you have a f like a five floor, 10 floor building where you need to have a computer in each uh, in each uh, in each floor and you need to connect them. So this guy used to do, you know, the networking part, but uh, getting like you know, a good payment for that kind of work was really hard because people believe in like, OK, you know, software is something like you could just like easily plug in here and there and, you know, you're done. Uh, but now, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's changing. I mean, it's still difficult because especially getting funding is one of the hardest part you know private equity mm -hmm. uh, in in in, uh, in in ethiopia it's it's mostly focusing on you know agriculture uh in other mm -hmm. industries so software mm -hmm. building software out there is still difficult but it's getting better so the one i told you earlier was like 10 years ago right like 10 years that's where i left uh, my you know country nine to ten years but now it's way getting better. There are a lot of, you know, young people out of college, you know, out of high school, you know, who are doing good stuff. But uh, still, you know, uh, a lot can be done. Yeah, a lot of them are here in China. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have good <laughs> friends in China, you know, studying in Xinhua University. So they're like, you know, Xinhua? crazy amazing. Yeah, Xinhua University. In, yeah. in Beijing, in Beijing. That's, that's yes. one of the top ones. Yeah, yep. okay. And then you move. You move to the U.S. and then you go to University of Iowa. You're, um, you uh, no. study there. You get your so master's. It's Maharashi University. It's called Maharashi oh. University. But I work okay. for University of Iowa after that. Ah, okay, okay, okay. And then you mentioned you created, was it an app you said? Uh, 
Um, yeah, so in 2014, I created a mobile app where you can find happy hours around you. And uh, we, we started with uh, Washington, D.C. area. So uh, even if I was studying at uh, Maharaj University, I had to do some of it on distance education. So I was living mm. in, you know, D.C. area, but uh, I uh, but I, I was my, my school was in Iowa. I, I went to school in D.C. I went to AU, American Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. When was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That was years ago, man. I was in AU from 98 to 2001. Three years. Wow. That was a long time ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was ages ago. Um, DC was very different back then. And then I, I lived in DC until 2002. And then I moved out to like Northern Virginia, like Alexandria, McLean, Arlington, that area, the north part. Because I yeah. worked at, um, I worked in Bethesda at a company called CoStar, a real estate company. Okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I know that area well, like all the areas you mentioned. A lot of Ethiopians yeah. live around there. Actually, oh, yeah. the I, last time I heard, all, were all of like Ethiopians live there. Oh God, yeah. 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 I think that's the largest. Isn't that the largest diaspora yeah. diaspora of Ethiopians outside of Ethiopia? They're in that I area, right? So. I think so. That's yeah. Be this, you know, DMV. I mean. DC. Maryland, Virginia. Yeah, there's an area. I remember what's that area in DC? Was it that street that used to have all the U nine in U? <laughs> yeah, and there used to be an Ethiopian like owned club in there, and I, I remember I used to go there a lot and get in. That was the first time I had injera. It was way back when. Yeah, yeah, they're still there. A lot of restaurants, a lot of you know clubs around that area. Yeah, so it's a that's you know a way to go. <laughs> But it's all been like uh, urbanized, gentrified, however you want to call it now. I heard DC has changed a lot. Yeah, I think, I mean, like when I came here, it's, it, has, it has already been changing. So a lot of people from back in the days, you know, especially my relatives, yeah, they told me about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think, and, and you know, life is also getting expensive. So for some of the companies, maybe it might be tough to pay for, you know, rent. So mm. some, you know, restaurants are closing up and live into maybe like, you know, North, Northern Virginia area. But yeah, 19 U is still a place where you could go and get a lot of Ethiopian, you know, things around. Yeah. When I, I always tell the story of when I used to live in um, in D.C. and I used to with these girls, I used to call them the Triniopians. Have I told you that story yet? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> what is it? There were these girls that were obsessed with soca music, right? And oh, okay. If, okay. Yeah, they like, they love soca and they love Trinidad. I mean, they used to go to Trinidad Carnival, everything. I mean, they were more Trinidadian than Trinidadians. And my friends and I used to call them the Triniopians. Oh, Triniopians. <laughs> okay, now I get it. I think yeah, we love a lot of soca music, Caribbean music. Yes. Yes. Back in the like, days, there used to be the the music you would listen in a lot of Ethiopian clubs. I mean, it still happens. Right now, it's kind of a mix of uh, soca music, also Afro music, you know, like Nigerian, Ghana music, as well as yeah. EDM. EDM is also getting popular in Ethiopia. I know, yeah. because I used to, I, and those are all the, the, the types of genres of music I like. I remember being in, in different just bars and spaces in DC and all the Ethiopians were like, they knew all the dancehall songs, all the soca. I mean, dancehall is quite popular, fine. But the soca and the calypso songs, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's big in Ethiopia, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and yeah. Okay, yeah. so now, so now you develop yourself and you got into blockchain, right? How? Yes. 
when did you get the block when did you get the blockchain bug when did that happen so okay the first time was um you know early 2014 where i was doing my own startup the the mobile app i mentioned earlier you know i kind of like learned it that i was this the business was not going to making because uh we, we were not able to generate you know some enough income so that was mm-hmm. the time i heard about bitcoin the first time and i went to this meetup where uh it was about bitcoin so i have like no idea and i went there um and i met like you know a couple of guys actually there was probably like maybe 20 people in the meetup i was able to know probably like two or three of them and actually two of them are now my best friends so they introduced me about bitcoin and i could be, i i'm honest like i didn't understand it because i don't know about like you know how money worked at that time you know monetary policy politics you know so many things so i was totally new and the way i see it was like okay it's just another paypal thing and why do i need it so I didn't pursue it at that time, and then, mm-hmm. but I was friends with these guys, and then I used to see their posts about like you know crypto, Bitcoin, especially in late 2016-ish, and that was a time. Okay, like now I'm hearing this multiple times, and I need to you know see what is going on. So I learned a lot about Ethereum at that point, and I think I would say like 2000, uh, late 2016, early 2017 was the time where that aha moment happened because between 2014 to 2017, I also learned a lot about, you know, American system, the 2008 financial crisis, what happened. So it kind of like, you know, make made sense to me at that point. So yeah, after that point, I was able to go really deep under, uh, really deep in a sense, like not in a coding wise, even if I'm an engineer, more understanding uh, the implication of, you know, cryptocurrencies in blockchain. Um, so yeah, so I learned about Ethereum, Bitcoin, and then, you know, these things, their, their price fluctuates really like, you know, up and down, even like in a day-to-day basis, weekly, monthly basis, uh, because, you know, they're still like, you know, uh, in, a, in early days of uh, the crypto technology. So after mm-hmm. that point, I also learned about stable coins. Uh, stable coins are coins that are always like, you know, $1 or, you know, close to $1, or it might be like, mm. you know, your local currency. So uh, that is how like my progress was learning about Ethereum, Bitcoin, and also ICOs. ICOs were I think back in 2017 where let's say, you know, you invest, uh, you know, some of your money hoping that the cryptocurrency will, you know, grow in value. So a lot of people like, you know, uh, even like, you know, including me, you know, invested in those kind of, you know, uh, 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 investments. So I think that was a space, that was a time like I learned really a lot about cryptocurrencies. And then after that point, yeah, I, I never returned back to anything else but crypto. <laughs> so what got you hooked? What got you obsessed? Like what, what was it like in particular? Okay, so number one thing was, you know, especially as someone who came from Ethiopia and where you send, you know, some money to your families, always you have to, they say, use either Western Union, you know, MoneyGram and also uh maybe like through your friends so what happens is these things were not number one fast number two they charge you a lot of money let's say you know western union by itself charge you five to fifteen percent depending on where you're sending money but Mm -hmm. the value they're adding for you wasn't that much but if you use you know like bitcoin or you know some of these cryptocurrencies you can't get that money get anywhere in the world like 
just quickly with like uh, the fraction of the ch- the fees that ch- uh, that that get charged by um, you know other companies. And mm-hmm. number two, I also learned it when I was working for you know uh, when I was selling products on Amazon. You know, Amazon is like a giant corporate company, so mm-hmm. I kind of learned like their influence, the power they have on you. It's it's like huge. I have like times where. I was selling a product, I was supposed to get paid by Amazon and just one customer complained about, you know, just something silly on my, on my, you know, pro- on my product page and I couldn't get that money like easily. So I had to struggle like for a couple of days to a week, you know, to get my money back. And it kind of gives me that like, you know, these corporate companies are like really giant and they affect like small businesses. But uh, when things come to crypto, for example, like Ethereum, Ethereum is a platform where you can build a an application where no one has a control like you know over you so let's say the ethereum community they don't have like you know a control on 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 the things you build on ethereum which is which is different from you know centralized uh, systems so understanding like you know how uh you know to get rid of unnecessary middlemen how uh you can build something decentralized that's kind of you know uh uh, uh you know that that is something that that got me really interested in the space. So so multiple things. So sending money, uh, you know, anywhere in the world easily, and mm-hmm. uh, creating applications that are not centralized. You know, centralized in a sense, when you when you build something that is really centralized, number one, you can have a, a power on the users, and number two, you can also be easily exposed to. Uh, Hackers, where if they hack you, you know, your data is out. So, you know, your users also get affected by that. So building something that is decentralized was also, uh, is also something like I'm really, you know, passionate about. And I feel like right. that's going to be, you know, the future already. A lot of people, you know, if you see, uh, you know, Silicon Valley investors, you know, even Chinese investors, uh, you know, Korea. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, if you go to, you know, a lot of, if you follow a lot of smart people, you know, they are putting their money in this space. So that also mm-hmm. gives me an idea. Okay, you know, this is something I should pursue and, you know, understand way further. And I'll be honest, like, I, I have very little knowledge. It's because... The space grows so fast, like monthly basis, weekly basis, yearly basis. So if you have a knowledge, let's say a year, uh, like last year, and you haven't mm-hmm. done, uh, let's say you haven't followed the space in one year, that is like a lot of change that you need to catch up. <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm still learning mm-hmm. quite a lot of things. Because the technology is always changing. Yep. Like so fast. But I, w- but I would say you're an expert because you know a lot more than than the average. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. also, okay. also you you've done blockchain university. You had your own podcast, and now you work for Reserve. So you are an expert. <laughs> I mean, thank you for saying that. Uh, I think especially maybe because to- I don't know I don't know anything, so I can call you an expert. That's why. <laughs> okay, totally understand. So, for example, if you ask me about AI, I I don't know anything, but I'm sure like I have you know few friends who understand about AI, but they don't call themselves experts yet, but because they are mm. still learning. And I see the same way myself. Okay, for someone who has never heard about you know this space, you know I might sound like expert, but if you yes. put me with the experts, I'm probably just like the new guy i'm just learning so yeah I but uh, i'm sure like we can discuss a lot of things yeah but for me you're an expert because i don't know anything so you're teaching sure, me sure. everything <laughs> right so tell us tell us about your podcast you did a podcast and one of the reasons i thought your podcast was so interesting it's because it was parallel to mine in that you my platform is for um early stage but it's all 
emerging markets, developing economies, and you had a podcast specifically focused on blockchain entrepreneurs in emerging markets. So you're really, we're really, both of us, I guess, are interested in that same part of the world. So why that part of the world? Obviously you come from there, but why, why, why not any other place? Why the emerging okay. markets? Interesting. So yeah, initially, uh, the reason I was interested in emerging markets is because um, I, I feel like, especially the payment system in a lot of emerging markets, uh, uh, you know, needs, let's say, like some upgrade. So because, you know, I came from Ethiopia. Actually, Ethiopia is a little bit different in this case because our special financial market was closed and we haven't like done much. Uh, but if you also look, you know, other parts of the world where, uh, you know, people have to send money from, you know, from another country to their home country, it's it's a you know kind of a daunting process and also uh i i kind of feel like there are a lot of you know amazing people like very talented people in emerging market which are you know doing a uh, you know great job in in this space so there are also a lot of podcasters focusing on developed countries so that wasn't something you know interesting to me so uh i felt like okay maybe you know exploring people in emerging markets and understanding what they do uh um yeah, that was an interest to me. Uh, so yeah, the name of the podcast was you know Cerdblock Cerdblock.co. So I, I did probably like twelve to fifteen podcasts, I believe, uh, covering from uh, you know uh, people in Indonesia up to you know like uh, a lot of people in Africa. Uh, and then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I was kind of shifting my focus just from emerging market because emerging market by itself is a big topic in a lot of countries. So I kind of understood that like I couldn't cover you know, all of those. So I shifted, mm-hmm. you know, my gears to, you know, Africa where I was exploring uh, different entrepreneurs in, in that space. Uh, well, yeah. So the reason I stopped it was number one, my number one issue was like time because I had to, you know, like edit the podcast, you know, the podcast processing, it takes like, you know, some time. And number two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the projects I interviewed were still like in early phase of like development. Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe, you know, I should give it like some time and see how things change over the years. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think I also feel like instead of doing a podcast, maybe like writing a blog would be much more better for me to express uh, my opinion. So yeah, mm-hmm. th- that was the reason. So are you writing a blog now? Are you blogging as uh, well? That, so uh, not yet, but uh, hopefully uh, now I'm kind of like getting ready to, uh, you know, s- start like write a blog, not like daily, but more like maybe weekly or bi-monthly. So that's something, uh, you know, I just want to write like something quality where people can get some value out of it rather than just mm-hmm. a duplicate of something that you're, you could already find somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I would mm. focus on definitely like, Africa, uh, you know, as an emerging markets, and uh, maybe close to what I do, which is stable coin. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I would be writing uh, uh, in that market and focusing on maybe stable coin plus a little bit of crypto. Awesome. And that, I guess, led you to where you are now, because you are, you've been given an amazing opportunity to work part-time for Reserve, and Reserve are huge. Yes, yes. So Reserve is yeah, a very big company. Uh, you know, we are already funded by uh, Coinbase Ventures, you know, which is one of the top company in the space. Uh, Peter mm-hmm. Thiel, uh, you know, the founder of uh, PayPal. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, reserve is big. And actually, one of the things that match my interest is they're also focusing only on emerging markets. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe I can give you like a little bit background about that. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, like a stablecoin is a digital currency where uh, your token, basically like the digital currency you use is backed by some kind of asset. So asset could be, let's say things like gold. It could be things like just you know uh, money in your bank account it could be securities it could be commodities so uh, uh, and also there are also other uh, kind of stable coins where they are backed by algorithm uh, one of them is MakerDAO or DAI um, so the reason I, 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 I liked uh, you know reserve is because we are fully backed by assets so right now we are you know backed by dollar um, so uh, mm-hmm. for every token we use, there is a you know a dollar behind it. So uh, um, uh, that is like something I really liked. And the second part is we also we are also going to be adding more more uh, assets in the future. So in order to create a stable coin, you need to have like you know as much as stable uh, you know assets that supports the stable coin. So uh, mm-hmm. in the future we'll be adding commodities and securities. So the more basket of this asset you have the more a stable coin you know you could build uh so that is you know our plan and number two we are also helping this emerging markets let's say we're very active in venezuela argentina and turkey at the moment uh mm-hmm. if you see these countries their economy is falling and imagine let's say if you're someone who who's in your 50s or 60s or who are retired and you've been saving for your entire life now all of a sudden you know your government made a mistake or people are corrupted in the country and the currency is falling down, which means the value you saved for your entire life is basically losing value. So that's what happened in Venezuela, for example, you know, Mm. and we want to give, you know, people an alternative to that. So let's say if you go to Venezuela, a lot of people buy, you know, our, uh, you know, stable coin. So that way they don't have a lot of fluctuations. So if you, Let's say go to a cafeteria in in Venezuela and you order food. By the time you order a food and when the bill comes, the value changes. That's like how bad the economy is. Let's say if mm-hmm. it was like you know a dollar value uh, of food, maybe like when the bill comes, it would be like a dollar fifty. So if you hold you know our stable coin, you have the opportunity not to be affected by these fluctuations. Um, so that is something we're doing. And uh, my job is, you know, to uh, not only find hyperinflated, you know, uh, countries in, in Africa, like, for example, Zimbabwe is one of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we want to make sure people in these countries also have the choice to uh, hold, uh, you know, alternative, you know, currencies. So uh, that is something we're working on. But not only that, there is also another issue you would see, let's say, in emerging countries where accessing foreign currency is really tough. Uh, example I could give is like Ethiopia is one of them. If you go to a bank and you're doing importing and exporting and you need a dollar, you need to wait, you know, a few months. Otherwise, you need to go to a black market and buy buy uh, foreign currency with a very high uh uh, you know, amount. So there's, for example, 25 to 30 uh, percent difference uh, between, uh, you know, a bank rate and a black market rate in Ethiopia. So we want to make sure, uh, you know, we also help, you know, businesses who want to do foreign currency. Uh, so, yeah, that is something we are focusing on. And I'm, I'm leading the business development in, in Africa. 
Okay, before we get back, that was great. Before we get back to reserve, I just want to make sure we have the technology accurate. So what is the difference between stable coin and Bitcoin? It's just basically that stable coin is backed by something, by a kind of asset, right? That's it. Um, so not only that, so if you see Bitcoin, uh, by the way, I'm a fan of Bitcoin. I, I believe in the future value of Bitcoin. So if you see Bitcoin, mm -hmm. let's say if you buy it today, like for $7,000 tomorrow, it could be 8000 It could be 6000 or it might be like 20000 So it's it fluctuates really high that you can't, if, if you, let's say, if you put your walls in it, it's not something I would easily sleep, especially for a short-term period. For a long-term period, mm -hmm. yeah, I believe in, like, the value of Bitcoin is going to, you know, keep going up. Uh, but when it comes to stablecoin, it's always, like, $1. So you, uh, uh, it's a stable. So as a term, uh, it's a stable that you can do, you can use it for your day-to-day, -day, you know, purchases. So that is something, like, you know, that's something different. But both mm -hmm. of them are, you know, built on a blockchain. Uh, ours is built on Ethereum, which is different than Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin has, mm -hmm. you know, its own, uh, you know, uh, blockchain. Uh, so yeah, th those are like you know some of the differences, and also as you mentioned, uh, Bitcoin right now is is uh, you know isn't backed by anything, but uh, the fact that there are only 21 million bitcoins and it's very scarce resource, it will drive mm -hmm. you know the price up. Uh, but the fluctuations, I don't think it will go away anytime soon. Maybe until the you know the market stabilizes. Uh, yeah, but with the stable coins, it is somehow very stable. There might be like a very little fluctuation, let's say like under 1%, uh, mm. uh, but it should be like easily usable for a day-to-day -day, uh, purpose. Yeah. Okay. And these all fall under the umbrella of cryptocurrencies, yes? Yes. Yep. That's true. Okay. And the reason why these are all so popular, hence why Reserve is based in emerging markets, is because digital currency is is big in the developing world particularly in africa for obvious uh, reasons uh, yeah so just to uh, uh let you know we are based in oakland california but uh, our market right. is focused on you know emerging you know markets so yeah yes, I, yes. I believe you know emerging markets will get a very big benefit from cryptocurrencies for sure no no doubt about that yeah and can you ex can you expand on that why is that um okay so um, one of the reason is uh, I think payment systems in in developing markets are uh, are not as big as uh, you know that you would see in developed countries. Let's say USA has, uh, let's say USD dollar by itself is you know a very uh, you know stable uh, currency compared to like you know outside other currencies. But if you compare let's say you know emerging markets currencies. They fluctuate. Let's say if you had one dollar today and you go to mm -hmm. in Ethiopia, you might get it. Let's say an uh, bank rate. Let's say thirty. Uh, one Ethiopian number would be. I'm sorry. One Ethiopian. Uh, sorry. One USD would be thirty Ethiopian number. But uh, mm -hmm. this would change like after a year, or if you go back to a year behind, it could have been probably like 27, 28, or something like that. So our you know currencies fluctuate quite a lot. So I, I believe you know cryptocurrencies or stable currencies would have an impact uh, uh, in, in, in developing you know countries. And number two, sending money to your country uh, uh, because you know a lot of us you know immigrate to other countries right so sending money back to your home country using western union or money grams or the official ones 
it's it's still expensive uh uh but i i i feel like uh you know cryptocurrencies would also help you move you know your money from here to home much more cheaper so which means the money that goes as a fees to these big corporations might be might easily go to uh, uh, you know the the people who receive the money in a state. So yeah, I think this would be like uh, one of the few uh, you know effects. And and also, these stable currencies can also be used as a payment system in in the country. So uh, mm. for example, right now, like let's say if you go to Kenya, there is M-Pesa, and M-Pesa is really big in in Kenya. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I believe you know stable currencies can also be used by uh, um, as as a medium of exchange for uh, uh, for such countries. Yeah, and you mentioned remittances, and so many developing economies are receiving countries of remittances. Yep. It's it the economy is kind of buoyed by remittances, so that's one of the reasons why it would be so popular in these countries as well. So I had a chance to check out um in for in to check out reserve okay. and I looked at their sort of like what their mission is and it's really interesting they said okay let me read can I read it specifically sure. from the sure. website it says yes. billions of people around the world don't have a safe place to store their money obviously developing yes. world there are people still putting money under their mattresses <laughs> right okay. banks in some countries can't can't be trusted and some governments inflate their own currency to pay off debts hurting citizens in the process yep. it continues with with a few exceptions we believe anyone in the world should be able to transact with anyone else this requires low friction cross-border transactions which are hard to to do with our existing financial system. I mean, they're talking about completely turning the world upside down, a, a universal store of value. Yes. Uh, okay. Wow. And then it says the project aims to, to solve both of those problems with a stable, decentralized currency that can't be abused by a government because it is globally distributed outside of anyone's control and thus nearly impossible to shut down. Now, reading that, that sounds that sounds quite radical because, I mean, go, you're saying that this is going to be a currency that governments themselves don't have access to. This is going to be a universal currency. Is that right? Yeah, so it's, it's universal in a sense. It's not like uh, geographically dependent because... Right. Yeah, it's built. So one of the things with cryptocurrencies are it's it's global. Like there is, you know, nobody's gonna verify. Oh, you know, where is your ID? Like where are you from? You know, there is no such thing in order to use the systems, um, unless you're using, let's say, you know, exchanges. There are centralized exchanges where that you need to be verified. Uh, you know, uh, the people want to know like where you're from. You know, things like that. But uh, the the if you go right, really like deep in into the space and you know try to understand this is basically you are sending uh, you know this money from one account to another account without the need of mm-hmm. a, a middleman. So if you also mm-hmm. see right now what's happening in a lot of countries, you know, political wise, you know, economical wise, you know, a lot of developing countries are facing issues. So mm-hmm. so I, the way I think I could express it is, let's say you know. You've been in, let's say, Syria or Yemen, or you're like a citizen of there, and your mm-hmm. current economy is failing. But you, 
think about it like you know you've been living there for years you know you've been saving your money for years and then like all of a sudden you just don't have anything right so people move uh to other countries right so uh what happens is if you are let's say using stable currencies you basically have your uh uh you know wealth stored in this currency and wherever you go you can access it so your country's economy wouldn't affect you, uh, uh, like would, it shouldn't affect your financial, you know, situation. So this is also, you know, some of the uh, some of the good things about cryptocurrencies is wherever you move, as long as you have, you know, your cryptocurrency keys, you know, which you should store like really safe place, you can access them like from anywhere in the world as long as there is internet connection. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's peer-to-peer -peer bank. It's peer-to-peer -peer money without a bank, without completely yep. cutting out the bank, completely yeah. cutting out uh, any government or anything like that. But let's be frank: in the developing world, most most governments benefit from these from these kind of flawed systems. They rely on these flawed systems. They yep. rely on the fact that people cannot exchange money directly. So governments will then have a problem too, won't they? I mean, it's good for the people, but it's not good for the governments. So the, this is the thing. I so imagine, like you know, if your government is like you know very corrupted and you're not mm -hmm. able to, uh, uh, you know, you've been affected by this corrupt people. Like I don't know, I, which one would you choose? Would you choose, you know, using that currency where you have no uh, control over and you could be affected like any time versus you have a stable currency where you could use uh, uh you could use, you know, that currency to transact daily. But the thing is, yeah, you're right. Uh, initially, like, you know, government is, I think this would make them decide, okay, we need to do a better job so people can use a local currency versus a stable coin. So, like, our aim is definitely, like, you know, helping the people, like, you know, who are being affected by such, you know, currencies. Yeah, no, I think it's no. incredible, obviously. But I'm just thinking, you know, so many governments, this is this is how they exist. They exist off of, corru of from corruption. And now you're going to create this whole system that says, well, now you you don't have to be bothered with your government's corruption because you, you, you kind of can eliminate them by just having a system that allows you to send money directly to each other. Um, yeah, so so the thing is, I mean, our aim is not like, hey, like, okay, uh, we want to, you know, get rid of governments or they shouldn't be. I'm not saying uh, that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it can be seen this. that way. It can be seen that way, Yeah, right? it could be seen that way. But, but I think what would this make, uh, this will make, uh, uh, you know, governments be responsible to the things they yes. do. Uh, and yes. it will also yes. hopefully, like, you know, help avoid like corruption in 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 you know a lot of government uh you know related stuff so uh i mean we have to see like the consequences yet um so it's because this is still like early stage uh we're gonna see like you know how you know governments would react and like make sure their currencies are stable or they might also use uh you know such systems to have a very transparent transaction so imagine let's say you know your tax is collected you know whatever you know payments you make you don't know where that money is going right but we hope that you know such open uh, uh, currencies would make you know also governments stable. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, would make governments as responsible to you know the money they give from uh, you know their citizens also applied in a in a in a better place. So applied in a in, in a sense where it benefits the country as well as you know mm -hmm. the people, uh, not uh, not the corrupted people. So yeah, I think that's that's yeah. Gonna be good, yeah. 
and it empowers citizens. It empowers it citizens, empowers citizens to have. Yes. Yes. So yes. naturally, people people will want this, and that's a very good thing. It's it's revolutionizing a lot of different things. But yeah, that's amazing. Pretty cool. That's why Reserve has so many big investors. I mean, I was looking at the investors list. It's uh yeah, everybody yep. that's an everybody. <laughs> yep, you will see like Sam Altman, you know, the president of Y Combinator, you know, Coinbase, uh -huh. Peter Thiel, and also, you know, other like bigger uh, 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 like institutions as well as, you know, well-known, uh, you know, people in the Silicon Valley as well. And not only that, if you also see us, our team, you know, you know, CEO Nevin, uh, you know, amazing like entrepreneur in the past. Uh, I also worked, let's say, you know, directly with Charlie Smith. Uh, he's a business development, like a you know, very amazing guy and very smart guys with a very good intent. Uh, so yeah, that's what matters. Because if you see the space in cryptocurrency, like there are a lot of like, you know, scam companies or pyramid schemes where it's, it's very hard for the regular person to identify, you know, uh, which company is right or you know which mm -hmm. which people are doing the right thing so yeah i believe in like you no know, reserve and they we are doing an amazing job <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean you're at the center of it you're learning everything and you're you're just it, you're traveling to africa now you're doing business development so which countries would you say i mean i guess the normal countries south africa kenya nigeria fine they're like the first the first uh countries to kind of embrace all of this but what what sort of the next set of countries that you think in Africa that are going to embrace this kind of technology? And where, where are some of the countries that you're traveling to on the continent? Okay. Um, so I've only traveled to, um, you know, Ethiopia and Kenya recently. Uh, main reason was, you know, a uh, few uh, know the founder of Twitter, uh, you know, Jack yes, Dorsey. Was, yeah, you met he him. Was, yeah, I met him in person in Addis where we were talking about, uh, you know, Bitcoin, you know, stablecoin startups. So the good thing is he is also a, you know, believer in Bitcoin and he believed it would affect uh, in a good way, you know, in Africa. So actually he's going to move to either Nigeria or Ethiopia in early 2020. Uh, we don't know yet, but... Uh, 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 yeah, so the purpose of the visit was, you know, to talk to him about, like, you know, what his, you know, what his uh, opinions are. And actually, he was there to talk to not, you know, officials or government bodies, but startups yeah. and entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. who face a day-to-day -day challenge. So he want to understand, like, what is the big problem in the space. Uh, so I was, like, really happy, you know, to meet him there in person. Uh, beside that, uh, I will also travel to Kenya, Nairobi, where I had a chance to meet uh, some of the printers I know in, in the crypto space, you know, visited a couple of uh, blockchain and crypto shops and also to understand mm -hmm. you know how the system works there um so that was the purpose of the travel but however we are also active in you know nigeria which is you know a very entrepreneurial uh country in 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 africa where a lot of people are hustling a lot of people are using uh you know bitcoin and cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. actually from the last time i remember nigeria was probably this one of the third countries in the world where Bitcoin uh, moves in and out of the country, like in a volume, like high volume in, in Nigeria. Uh, yeah. um, so uh, our focus would be Nigeria, um, Kenya, uh, Ethiopia, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Ghana, Zimbabwe and South Africa. So initially, we're going to focus on not more than five countries at a time where we want to learn about uh, the space there, why people want to use stable currencies, why uh uh like what is the problem so you know we, we are honest already uh we 
we're also learning, right? Like we don't know how this is going to turn out. So we have a you know group uh, in Telegram where we discuss you know daily like okay what's going on out there. Also uh, when I understand uh, the problem. So you know especially like if you don't understand the problem, you know whatever solution you're going to build probably might benefit the people. But now we're trying to listen and understand you know how they can benefit from this. But it's very. We are very early in in Africa, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Our first focus is Latin America. So a lot of people, a, a lot of our team is focusing in 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 uh, um, Latin America. But uh, I'm I'm leading this operation in Africa, and I'm very happy to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say Rwanda because Rwanda is, is everybody on everybody's radar these days. Yes. Yes. So this is the thing. Like Rwanda, you know, Tanzania, Uganda, there are so many countries, but uh, as you know, as a startup, we, you need to focus on like, uh, you know, a few places. Once you understand yeah. uh, how things work in a couple of countries, even if it's not going to be the same uh, in every country, but at least it would give us a head start. Um, but uh, yeah, we are very open to explore other African countries. Uh, for example, I had a talk with, uh, actually, you should have Bitcoin lady. Do you know the Bitcoin lady in Botswana? No. Oh, okay. She's very famous in Botswana, where she built up this the crypto community uh, by her mm-hmm. own on the same things like that. Actually, she should be a very you know actually right person also to have it on your podcast. So yeah, we are also exploring other countries, but uh, as I mentioned, you know, as a startup, we need to focus on you know a few places at a time uh, before you know expanding. Otherwise, you know, we're gonna we might thin out and uh, you know also funding wise also you know we want to make sure you put the right funders in the right places so yeah wow i just happened to google her botswana's bitcoin lady interesting i'm gonna do some more research on her i love that very cool thanks for telling me about her so actually we're trying to figure out how sure sure go ahead please no go ahead please okay no i was gonna say like you know we're also trying to collaborate with her but uh, anyhow i'm happy to you know connect you guys as well yeah, that'll be, nice. be great. Yeah, that would be so interesting. I was going to ask you, what was it like meeting meeting Jack Dorsey? I mean, they made, you know, the media made such a big deal out of him being in Africa, like media does. And everybody was posting about it and they were comparing it to when Zuckerberg went to Nigeria and blah, blah, blah. And what was it like just meeting him and talking to him about, you know, what what's his thing, his vibe? What What's he saying about Africa? Obviously, he's he's keen. Okay, so I think, I mean, I mean, if you follow, you know, main medias in the Western world, like the image, you know, a lot of people have, have about Africa is, you know, everybody's starving there, you know, economy is so bad, you know, but here is people are like, you know, trying to survive, like, you know, people are, there are amazing, like entrepreneurs in Africa, like high, you know, like educated mm-hmm. people, very mm-hmm. talented people. So. The mm-hmm. thing is, you want to come and see that in person. So one thing I really liked about him was instead of like going and meeting like, you know, high officials, which a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh, people from Western world, when they go to Africa, you know, that's what they do. They say they might meet, you know, higher officials, uh, which might give you not the right approach. But for him, it was, okay, I want to go to like, you know, the people who are struggling every day. Let me see like what they're doing. Let me see like, he want to learn from, you know, uh, those people. So uh, yeah, as I mentioned, he made entrepreneurs who are building startups. Uh, Some of them are like successful entrepreneurs. Some of them are just starting out. So 
he was like a very down to earth person to he to listen like to everybody so he was a very good listener from what i have seen and um yeah so even if like i don't know what his uh you know future solution is going to be but uh, he won't understand how uh the system works there uh, sometimes you know let's say if you're staying in the western world and you just only get information from uh you know from internet you might not have like you know the right uh the right information so for him it was just going there actually understanding what's happening and also like the fact that he plans to live there uh, also, uh you know also makes it like kind of a uh, a good intent to you know interact with people day to day i think three to six months even if it's not going to be like years as will it will give you mm-hmm. like a better information about the the about what's happening in in the space out there so yeah meeting him was really good and he also actually gave some you know speech in in Addis about like his life his entrepreneurial career which i i would be happy to share a link so he gave us like you know mm-hmm. how he is he you know considered himself as a hacker hacker in a sense where somebody who builds you know solutions to problems so uh mm. it was like wonderful you know once in a and once in a lifetime opportunity to meet him so yeah i'm glad you got to meet him amazing but his plans to live in africa it's it's to push forward with bitcoin right isn't that what he said that he wants to bring bitcoin to africa so he's going to live there for like 3 to 6 months next year Is um, it what that that was so all the hype was about? Media, At least that's what the Western media said. I don't know if that's what it is. So, so yeah. I I'm not sure if the media portrayed like what he was trying to transmit. This is the thing. Like you know, Bitcoin doesn't need anybody like to exist anywhere in the world. You know, as I mentioned, if mm-hmm. you have an address, I can send you my Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need like any intermediaries. So mm-hmm. uh, I I I think the way I understood it is where. like a peer to peer uh you know payment system like a bitcoin would have a very big impact in a sense where people can build on top of uh you know bitcoin uh to uh, uh bring like you know uh, decentralized banking in a sense where you know without having like you know middleman that takes just a cut uh, you know out of you so i'll be honest like i'm still you know waiting to see what his plans are going to be so i just can't say hey like this is what he's going to do this is what he's going to do but i know for sure that uh he kind of understood like you know bitcoin and cryptocurrencies has a very uh they will have like a very good impact in africa so that's something i think we could see in in 2020 but uh, yeah i think the media kind of said hey like he's bringing bitcoin in africa that kind of you know portrayed uh i i don't think that was the right way to portray what he was trying to well, uh, you know try that's <laughs> west western media that's what they do you know it's like we don't even need to get into that conversation but here comes jack dorsey saving the africans with bitcoin yeah. that kind of crap but yeah, the thing yeah, is think... though as an as an african yourself right do okay. you when people like jack dorsey and mark zuckerberg go to africa western media hops all over it and it's like the talk for a whole week oh my god look at this guy he's in africa but i'm always looking for analysis from africa about what africans think about these people coming to their countries because yes there is positive but i think there's also negative and i wonder if people on the ground get scared when people like jack dorsey say they're going to come and live in africa for 3 to 6 months it's like hmm you know what i mean so is all of this great is should everybody be excited that you know now this is going to bring positive attention and now we're going to have more technology or should people be worried 
Should people proceed with caution? What do you think? And I ask you this as someone who is an African yourself. Okay, so I think, yeah, definitely it's always a good idea to be, you know, positive as well as, you know, uh, cautious about, you know, like the future results. Let's say um, you, may, you might be really excited now and then maybe like five, ten years later when you see the effect of the technology, it might be different than expected. So I I would say like it's always good to be cautious and understand the intent of, you know, the people or the corporations, you know, who are trying to do, you know, business in Africa. So on the positive side, it will create an impression even for other investors. Uh, they say who heard about, you know, Africa, but they never made any actions. I think it's a good starting point where, oh, okay, you know, they were trying to understand what, you know, Jack is doing there, Jack Dorsey. Um, actually, uh, on the uh, on another side, Jack Ma was from Alibaba, was also there at the same week uh, for mm-hmm. something different. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in my case, I mean, even if like I'm not, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, Libra Facebook, uh I think what Jack would do, I feel like it's it's much more closer to uh, you know what would be looking for in a sense where instead of you know like Twitter founder Jack Dorsey coming in like try to control the financial system in Africa, I would see him more someone he would be working close to uh, let's say like uh, you know startup entrepreneurs maybe like you know trying to integrate. Uh, 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 you know, some of the systems they built, let's say, you know, Square, do you know Square Cash App, uh, the Cash App? Maybe I, my yeah. feeling is, okay, don't, okay, don't, uh, <laughs> don't take this as, uh, 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 I don't know how to say it, but uh, I think take this as more like my opinion than his. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I would see mm-hmm. it is uh, he would be someone who would work closely with other financial institutions, not bigger ones, but maybe like, you know, startups to bring a, uh, you know, decentralized uh, banking system in, in Africa. But that is just like, you know, my opinion. Who, so, yeah, who, it's... Who uh, are you referring to? Uh, you I'm, referring I'm referring to, to Jack Canada. Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Does. Ah, okay. I see. I see. Interesting. Sorry for uh, okay. mixing up a few things. <laughs> no, I just, I just wanted to make sure I was clear because you mentioned Jack Ma as well. So I wasn't sure if you were referring to because Jack Ma is always in Africa. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was more about exporting for Jack Ma, like helping. Let's say he was in Ethiopia, where they kind of signed a deal, a trade deal between China and uh, Ethiopia, which would also mm-hmm. help people export products. But I, I don't have a, a lot of content on that. <laughs> yeah, because no, Jack Ma has the Africa Netpreneur Prize, which is yes. really big. Yeah, he's a really big supporter of entrepreneurs in the country. So his his approach is a little bit different to the likes of, you know, say, Dorsey and and the others. It's just very different approaches, different different ways of working with with people and whatnot. But that's interesting. So yeah, I'm always curious about what people think. Uh, you know, for example, I'd love to go into some of these countries and just talk to people and be like, when you see somebody like Jack Dorsey coming to to your country do you get scared <laughs> and want to run and hide you know yeah. like okay. it, there's positives and negatives to everything yes uh, so i think uh, one of the negative things i have seen other people say is oh okay you know like this is a big guy like coming with you know a lot of money you know if he wanted like he can easily let's say have a big influence where uh, you know financial system can uh, be like 
you know, taken by one bigger corporate company. So uh, obviously that's a good thing to hear, right? Let's say if you're a small startup, small businesses, even like, you know, the bankers in developing countries, they might not be as strong as developed uh, banks outside in the Western area. So it's always to have a good, you know, uh, to be like, you know, very uh, cautious about that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, sometimes I, the way I see it is, uh, they say there might be like you no know, systems that also empower the citizens, the small businesses. So maybe it's also a good idea to be open about thinking about it, like from that kind of direction where, you know, how many people can benefit from, you know, the the system. So, yeah, it's always good to be cautious as well as also be optimistic and also, you know, work with the yeah. right people, you know, involve, uh, you know, maybe policymakers, you know, who understand the system, you uh, uh, and also like you know educate uh, you know investors educate uh, you know regulators on the topic so that's very important step to do as well yeah yeah definitely i mean i think it everything has its pros and cons it is exciting to see um someone so influential as him traveling around the continent but i mean there's a reason why he's there you know he's he sees an opportunity and i guess with time We'll, we'll all come to realize what that exactly that opportunity is. Yes, I think that's, that's something we're going to see in the next couple of years. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm very excited. And wouldn't, and I guess it will just be uh, great if it's a win-win scenario and it benefits the entrepreneurs and local people and everybody. But, you know, we'll, time will tell, right? Time will tell. Yeah, yeah, time will tell. Actually, yeah, that's something like we're going to see in the, you know, the next couple of years. Um, actually, something I haven't mentioned is I'm also working with a couple of my colleagues, uh, you know, creating a remittance application, you know, to Ethiopia, but it's very early stage, so I can't talk about the details yet, but maybe mm. that's something I would be happy to talk about in the future. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the future is going to be great with uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I'm very optimistic yes, yes. about that. <laughs> Please. You need to come back so you can explain all this complicated stuff to us. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I think maybe like next time we can pick one or two things and just go deep in the rabbit hole. So yeah, yeah that's yeah, how I learned sure. it too. So I'll be happy to explain. Yeah, absolutely. This time we're just doing general, and then we're gonna go in deeper. So before you leave us, um, as you know, this podcast speaks to the, the those in ideation. Uh, or those who've just started, mainly those who want to have high impact um, coming out of the developing world and the emerging economies. Let's say for those that are interested in in fintech or or cryptocurrency or or, or whatnot, what uh, words of encouragement or advice do you have for them? Um, yeah, I think uh, something I could recommend is definitely surrounding yourself with the people who's been in the space for a while so for example for me like the way i learned it was I, I i used to hang out with a lot of people especially in san francisco area where it's really hot you know that's where i learned going to meetups like coming home you know reading going deeper and also you know putting some money in this currencies using them by myself so I think doing that really helps you, you know, understand. Uh, so, you know, interacting with the right people, uh, you know, going to the rabbit hole, you know, using the system, that should be like something I could encourage. And once you do that and, you know, you learn more about it, and it's also a very good idea to help others who are new to the space, you know, teaching them. Uh, actually, when you teach other mm -hmm. people, it helps you also understand, oh, like, do I know this? You know, sometimes I have also still, like, I have some difficulties to 
explain some of the technologies I use. So when that kind of things happen, I am like, oh, you know, I need to really understand this to, you know, explain to other people. So, yeah, I think surrounding yourself, uh, you know, uh, learning from pros, teaching new people, I think that should be something to encourage. And and sometimes, you know, you might end up with, they say, you might end up with maybe like, you know, scam coins, uh, maybe like not the right, you know, uh, you might uh, hear about like maybe very hyped companies, but they're not like uh, useful. So that's also the journey. So I have, you know, I have, let's say, maybe lost some money with, you know, some cryptocurrency that I thought were great, but uh, that's how you learn as well. So always be cautious about uh, your investment. So definitely, like, this is not a financial advice, but uh, this is, uh, you know, something that happened to me. So this is like a learning process. And one thing I could tell mm. you is this is still early stage. So even if you can right now, uh, don't feel like, you know, the technology has passed you, but uh, this is something like you would learn quite a lot going through, uh, 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 you know, a couple of years going down the road, you, you might become expert. So if I, when I see myself like, you know, two years ago versus today, I have like gained quite a lot of knowledge, uh, but uh, still this is going to be like, you know, learning curve for me. So yeah. And also, you know, participating projects is that you believe and you can benefit. Uh, so for example, the way I, I learned about reserve was through a friend of mine where uh, you know, I kind of helped uh, uh, the business developer do some research on Ethiopia. It was like even like mm -hmm. a free thing I did. So that kind of led me to have, uh, you know, this uh, opportunity. So, yeah, you don't know what kind of opportunity you have. So be very open and positive about it. Yeah. That's great. Great words of advice coming from you. So what next you. for you then? What are you going to do now? Are you going to work for Reserve and then go start? Uh, you know what I see you doing? I'm just going to tell you what I see you doing with your own <laughs> sure. life. All right. <laughs> Let's see the magician. Uh, see, how, see, how bold, see how bold I am? Okay, anyway. So wouldn't it be great if you went back to your country and, and created some kind of startup that dealt with specifically this this area that you're working in is that something you'd like to do in the long run yeah. i mean i think you already got it so it's uh, <laughs> you know, even yeah. if you know i'm working for a reserve so on the side yeah. uh you know working with a couple of my friends where we're building a uh, remittance application you know most, most probably like you know using reserve itself because you know we believe in in the system so uh but you know still early i don't know what kind of direction we're gonna go but uh, yeah that's something we're already doing you know here in the u.s and uh, yeah, it's also going to be easier, like, you know, to travel there, uh, you know, understand uh, uh, the community in Addis, like how they want to use this. Uh, actually, yeah, one of my colleagues also lives in Addis. So we have a very kind of decentralized team, you know, some in Addis, some in America. But uh, yeah, that's something we are working on. So maybe Yay. I'll update you in six months down the road. Yeah, you guys are all just kind of out there learning, absorbing, developing your contacts, doing all that stuff. And then at some point, I guess you you when at the right time, it will happen. And then that'll be awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole idea, you know, like I think that a lot of us who come from the developing world, you know, in Latin America, Africa, the Caribbean, you know, certain parts of Asia, we, we go away to these other countries and we work for these big companies and we're soaking up all of this information and learning from the best and building all of these contacts. Wouldn't it be great if at some point all of us decided, it doesn't mean you have to move back home, but at some mm -hmm. point you decide to take some of that knowledge and use it to 
affect change or make life better back home. You know, that's great. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what, you know, a lot of diaspora people are doing, um, you know, learning a lot of knowledge, uh, you know, from, you know, others who are way better than you and also helping, you know, uh, people, you know, in your own country. This also, I think, in turn, um, I don't know how it would until you're staying, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, it benefits, you know, a lot of people in, in developing countries where they kind of get knowledge, like, you know, from, you know, a lot of, you know, di- you know, diaspora. So um, I have seen, let's say, um, you know, one Nigerian guy was saying where, you know, diasporas will have, like, you know, a lot of effect in, in you know, helping the people and not helping anything that more, mostly like, you know, knowledge transferring because you have like some experience here, but that doesn't mean you're going to apply the same knowledge in when you go to your country. I think you have to find a way where you can uh, figure out the knowledge you have, how you can apply it in your country. If you try to build a system that is the same as, you know, in, in developed or Western uh, country, I don't think that would solve, you know, a lot of problems in developing countries. So you need to kind of find a way where you can match your knowledge to the problems happening in this country. So, yeah, I think that would be, you know, very exciting to see. Yes, absolutely. I agree. You can't, you can learn from lots of countries, Western countries. I think you can learn from China. I think you can learn from different parts of Asia, but it's got to be tailored to suit problems in your own country. Yep, for sure. exactly. That's for sure. Yeah, but as long as you're learning, that's all that happens. And then when you when you go home and you see what what's happening, you can kind of assess and see, okay, this this could work. This pot- could potentially work. And you know, all of these governments are different anyway. So certain things wouldn't even work if you tried to replicate them in your own country. So. Yep. Yeah, I think it doesn't work like that. Definitely, you need to work with you know local people who have a very good understanding of the problem because. The solution mm-hmm. you're just gonna bring without them, it's it's gonna be tough. I think. <laughs> I think a lot of people, yeah, have seen, yeah. you know, they apply the same knowledge they get here, and they go there, spend a couple of years, and probably come back with, uh, you know, uh, you know, not very successful business. So yeah, I think combining the knowledge you have here with the people out there, I think that's gonna be a very beneficial. Wonderful. Thanks so much. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. I learned a lot and I I think the listeners learned a lot as well. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast once again to update (laughs) us. Thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, uh, giving me this opportunity and uh, I will definitely be happy to come back again. And yeah, thanks for doing this. I think this is going to help a lot of people, uh, you know, learn not only about, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, Technologies from other people. So, yeah, thanks so much again. For sure, for sure. An absolute pleasure. Okay, thanks so much and bye for now. Alrighty, thanks so much. You have a good day. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listening across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. 
Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.